You are now tuning into The Soul Session. Hey guys, welcome back to The Soul Session. I'm one of your hosts, Rebecca. And I'm Elikai. And we're here with one of my really good friends. He is the president of Studio 18. He is also a kickboxer, a model, an actor, and a musician. We have Trayvon Love. What's up, guys? Welcome. How are you guys doing? I'm excited to be here. Great, great, great. I'm excited for you guys to be here. Um, yeah, so to start off, I want to explain to the people watching, who are you? Who's Trayvon Love? Tell us about... Facts. Oh, yeah. man. Well, I mean, you know, it's been a long life, but uh, currently right now, um, like you said, you get a great, uh, gave a great intro. I'm um, just an entertainer and an artist and creator of all sorts, you know, um, I don't feel like especially nowadays in, in today's society, um, it's celebrated to flourish multiple of your talents. Back in the day, it was like, you're an actor or you're a singer, you the know what I mean? Thing. And when when that person tried to cross over, there was like, you know, some pushback. But now you almost have to have multiple things in the industry just to just to stay afloat, you big, know what I mean? Just facts. to be relevant. Um, but that being said, you know, so I, I try to take my talents and just apply them where I can. But right now, just focused on the music again and um training to fight as well uh i love to do that amateur kickboxer right now but um very well versed yeah yeah (laughs) and i've been the president of um, one of orlando's top recording studios studio 18 um studio 18's been in town almost 12 years now so um it's beautiful to be a part of that that organization um and to have my footprint and my handprint on it um been there about three years and things are going well so I love Studio 18, but I've taken a, a small step back just to kind of focus on my own music and to give back to myself because for mm-hmm. the last few years, I've really been pouring into other artists and just helping other creators, you know, find their path and create their work. And I've been creating on the side, but it's hard to run a business and help other people mm-hmm. um, with their creations and then have not only the time, but I think at the time it was just the the creative energy. It's hard to then, you know, take that and apply it back to yourself. So yeah. now that I have some free time, um working on four projects that I wanna get done by next wow. year. Yeah. Yeah. So four <laughs> projects at one time. Um one is going to be a reggae cover album. Um I started oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> so I started I mean musically I started as like a you know, for lack of a better word, maybe like a conscious hip hop rapper. Yeah. Um, started rapping when I was like, or, or writing music, not even rapping. I was writing poetry ever since I was a kid. I think that's where it really started. Was just I love literature. I love words. I think it's very magical. I love how you know um, you can put things together in sentences, and it's just it just gets me going. It's just double entendres and similes and metaphors, and it's just amazing to my mind to have someone like you know, say something and it relates over here and all the craziness. So it's all like a web. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. It really is. So started with poetry and then, um, I think like 15, 16 after my first heartbreak, that's when I was like, all right, let me, (laughs) let me write a song, you know, um, listening to a bunch of Drake and a bunch of Kid Cudi as a kid. Yeah. Don't Um, we all. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I started just like rapping on Kid Cudi beats and then, you know, kind of dabbling, making my beats. I had my dad's uh, MacBook. I had no setup, so I had like GarageBand, I download a beat, and then like rap into the MacBook. Like, gotta work with what you got, <laughs> like, you know. Um, and then learn how to like kind of mix on there on Garage as much as I could at that time mm-hmm. um, for the education that I had. But it was really just about taking the feelings and the emotions that were on the inside. And you know, I had this new way to 
get it out to the world in a mm-hmm. very comfortable way other than sports, um, which was cool. And so I started like, you know, really rapping and, and trying to challenge myself with wordplay and but always staying kind of lack, lack for a better term, conscious, you know, yeah. in a way. But I, I think that term has gotten played out over the last time. It's just, it's just really understanding like everybody talks about the things that are relevant to their life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just because you're a street artist doesn't mean I think Kodak Black is very conscious. Yeah. You know, if you understand the lingo and you understand the background and you understand the culture of where this person comes from and you're able to sit down and like watch certain individuals who may seem you know, you have to cut through their talk and cut through their accents and things of that nature. But when you do and you really listen to what people are saying, you can tell, you know, so even cats like just because you're a street cat doesn't mean you don't make conscious music. I mean, mm-hmm. Rod Wave, too, you know. So for me, it was just making the music that felt good. I was in Hawaii uh, for beautiful place. Yeah. From like 18 until which island? Oahu. So I was on Oahu from like 18 until 24. Mm-hmm. Probably like six years of uh, just learning and being free from like America and free from the density and all this energy. And that sounds amazing. Yeah. That's, that's where I got to the, Oh my God. Yeah, Hawaii for sure. Amazing. It was amazing. And it was, it was just a cool place because it allowed me to grow into a free, a free being, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just really, really grow without pressures and like what can, um, any person, but specifically what can a young black man from America, you know, from the States who grew up in, you know, different situations. If you take these kids, whether you're black, white, whatever, but kids in poverty, kids in, in bad environments, and you were to put them in an environment that was free and didn't have the same pressures that they have, what would they become? You know what I mean? Like what, what would they be able to do with themselves and with their life. So that's what Hawaii allowed me to do is just be in a place where I was safe. I was able to think and live a life that was just different from everything else. And it allowed me to develop independently. So when I came back to America, it took a lot of, I mean, not America, but like the mainland, we call it, um, mm-hmm. took a lot of adjusting, but I was able to take that bit of peace and, you know, vibration that i have with me and keep it inside of me as i like maneuvered through the crazy music industry and all this stuff so now i'm making music that is like more melodic i'm really singing um the goal too is to start a band i really want to i'm kind of pushing past i'm pushing past hip-hop like i love hip-hop but i want to explore like push the brown boundaries of what is hip-hop that's why i love branching genres exactly that's why i love you know, cats like Kid Cudi, even Kanye, even, you know, just um, Absol. Oh, my God. Absol oh just God. dropped an amazing song. But like certain individuals who push the idea of not only what is hip hop, what is music? You know what I mean? Especially yeah. like Cudi alone, you know, the singing and the humming and all that. That wasn't something that was cool 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, but he pushed the boundaries of like, this is allowed too. You know what I mean? These things are allowed within this genre and we're going to push it to, to its extent, you know? Yeah. Like, um, uh, people hate when I say this, but my favorite Kanye album is Jesus. It's just because I'm, I'm with you on because that, it's just like he really pushed sonic boundaries. You yes. know what I mean? Love, like into, you know, EDM, into house, into like hip hop and this fusion. It was just, it was, it was crazy. So that's what I'm impressed about. So that's where I'm at now is like trying to take my hip hop roots and expand them fuse them with you know reggae and just more of a sonic like uh, melodic sound Mm -hmm. um so to do that working on like a a reggae cover album taking some songs that 
are not even close to reggae um, and turning them into, you know, a reggae version, maybe like reggae trap and doing that, working on an actual debut, like um, debut album. I've had, I have probably like four or five albums out, but none of them have been done like, you know, through a label and through an actual studio. It was just mm-hmm. me and my, you know, in the, in the but basement. But you have your own label. Yeah. 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 Yes. So I'm, I'm starting it. I'm working on it now. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> Um, big plans yeah big plans so working on that album working on the reggae cover album uh, my dad he's a filmmaker he has a new super f- cool dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, shout out Devada it's his new feature length film um, that is like a, a action superhero movie and it's 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 an amazing movie so I'm working on the soundtrack for that um, kind of like uh, Black Panther, how they did a soundtrack of the Black wow. Panther. So I'm kind of working on that as well. And so then just tons of creativity. Everywhere. Yeah. Just. And then the last number four is, you know, before I kind of like, I don't say I'll ever fully let go of like rapping itself, but um, before I go like full, you know, uh, melodic superstar, I want to kind of tap back into just re- just really show these cats one time because everybody like me looking the way i look especially being a rapper coming up um i had to prove myself you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i don't look hard i don't look straight i don't look whatever even though i've had those experiences because of how i look i would go to shows like in la in the hood get on stage and there's 500 people there and everybody starts laughing like before i even start rapping like they're just like poof the foot you know what i mean like what the fuck is this? and then i do my shit and they're like oh you yeah. know so i always had this hill and then people always ask me, you, you make reggae music. Make reggae? Oh, you make reggae? I was mm-hmm. like, and, and it came like this chip on my shoulder, like, no, I don't make reggae. Even though I love reggae, I live in the islands. Like, that's the music I, my soul wanted to make. Yeah. I did it for so long because everybody wanted that from me. I was like, no, I rap. Y'all need to listen to this. Yeah. So once I got over that kind of like uh, pride and realized that I'm dope either way, you know what I mean? Whatever I make, now I'm like, all right, I want to do one more kind of like a uh, rap project. It's going to be a mixtape. An actual mm-hmm. mixtape, like an old school gangster grills, <laughs> like mixtape, mi- not uh, not an album that they call a mixtape, and it's all new beats. Um, I want to call it the flood, and it's a and it's an homage to uh, Little Wayne's projects, the drought. Oh, so yes. we had the drought one, the drought two, the drought three, and basically at the start of the year, whatever songs that just drop that are the hottest shit out, I'm gonna just murder them. I'm just gonna straight up murder them. Straight rap, and um, just to prove my point one last time, yes. you know. So kind of like Wayne did back in the day when he was just like anybody could drop a song, and then if you heard that lighter flick come on, everyone, oh my god, Wayne got on my song, he's about to kill me, like oh. Yeah. So I just want to really take uh take that last like uh that last leap and mm-hmm. just get into the rap side one more time while I'm working on the melodic stuff, and then after those projects, I'll I'll step back and I'll be like, all right. And then it's time for the reggae. <laughs> well, the yeah, reggae I mean, covers. yeah, reggae covers. Well, I'm going to be working on all this simultaneously. So the rap one, the debut album, the reggae, and the the um, what is it called? Uh, the movie uh, soundtrack. So mm-hmm. that's the goal is to get all those done by next year, and then kind of maybe not necessarily take a step back from the music, but you know, if they don't call me, I'm not coming. Basically, like you know, <laughs> I, I just need to take a breather and. Um, Unless the check's coming, unless LA's calling, then yeah. know, I ain't getting shit from it, you know. But I, I'm sure there'll be so much growth from that that like you'll have like a whole different like paradigm of thought of like where the next steps are. Yeah, like, yeah, and and that's that's kind of where I'm at 
uh, in my life. You know, I'm 29 now. Uh, I turned 30 in the summertime. So when's your birthday? July 9th. What does that make you? Cancer. Ah, yeah, okay. yeah, um, I think it's really cool that um, you also do reggae too. And yeah. I know that's something that you don't want to like, oh, I'm just a reggae artist. Yeah. But I think that's super cool because in Orlando, you don't see a lot of that. And that's yeah. one of my favorite genres. And that was a thing too. It's like um, the business side of me, right? Because when I was in Hawaii, I was just making music. I was throwing shows. Um, actually, uh University of Hawaii, the sound teacher, shout out Peter Chamberlain. Anytime I get a shout out, that dude helped my career so much. But mm. uh, he was one of the teachers at the university and he gave me a key to his studio and let me build a recording studio in his room, wow. in the back of his room. Wow. And gave me a key and said, just don't burn it down. You know, so we yeah. were there at 3 a.m. recording like I was working. And that's that was a big um, step a in my career <laughs> um, to like just kind of become but I was just creating creating so I went and got my master's from full sale and entertainment business so I could understand the business behind you know the actual the actual game really understanding the business behind everything mm-hmm. would you say that was a game changer that it was worth it oh yeah 100% now um, I love full sale I, I think I took full advantage of it I don't think it's right for everybody I, I really don't I like I don't believe if I was 18 years old, 17, 18, coming out of high school, I don't think I would have been ready for the demand of a school like that. And uh, the actual, you know, like I was in Hawaii, like I flunked a few classes, you know what I mean? I played around, but like, if you go there straight out of high school, you really don't have any opportunity to play around. You're like, you'll- That's for like people who know, this is what I want to do. Exactly. You went to Full sale too, right? Mm -mm. I I do know, I do have a lot of friends who have, and they Mm -hmm. just- everyone tells me that it's not it's not a joke it's like yeah no it's it's no joke and it's like the industry the industry's not a joke even Mm -hmm. even like if you're you know even behind the scenes in industry like the work the pace like how Mm -hmm. things just roll and how it goes so like they really try to implement that so i don't think if you're ready for that then or if you don't know what you want to do then yeah i don't think but for me it was a good place because i was doing everything already so when i went there i truly i learned new things but i wasn't learning like how to do things or or new things in the sense of this is what you have to do. I was learning the terminology for what I already was doing. So they would teach about SEO marketing. And I was like, oh, that's what I've been doing when I'm on Google trying to blah, blah, blah. They would teach about promotion or they would teach about certain things, branding. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I've been doing all this. I just didn't know what I was doing. So now they gave me the infrastructure in my mind to like go. So to speak on the reggae was, you know, once I kind of have that revelation of like, I'm going to make the music I want to make and I don't care what anybody says. Um, I thought my business brain kicked in and especially here in Orlando, central Florida, you have so much good talent, so much music that's overlooked. And I think a part of it is everybody's trying to do the same thing, not maybe make the same sound, but be the same thing. Most artists coming through the studio in Orlando want to be a rapper. Mm-hmm. There's so many Orlando the rappers, norm. rappers, yep. rappers. Yes. Number two, is probably like pop stars, like some singer, you know, like pop singers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get a lot of country artists, but every now and then country, uh, you know, pop and R&B is like number two. How about they, like EDM? An EDM, you know, mm-hmm. but most of the time um, those EDM vocalists are really pop vocalists and mm-hmm. EDM producers are, you know, they those worlds kind of mesh. But yeah. in Orlando, I was like, yo, who's who's the face of Orlando hip hop? I mean, Orlando reggae. Like I could say the face of Orlando hip hop. You could throw out Glock 9. You are the face of Orlando reggae. You could throw out, you know, (laughs) Pootie. You could throw out Hot Boy. But if you really say the face of Orlando reggae, I've asked people who've been in the town for 10 years and no one can give me an answer. Mm. So when I saw that, I was like, 
boom. All right, this is my lane. This is actually my hometown. I'm from Orlando. Like, let me go in this lane and let me really take it over. Because one, there's less competition. Two, there's no king of that genre right now. No one's even really fighting for that spot. You know what I mean? To be yeah. like, yo, I'm Orlando, right? Like, we're, we're from blah, 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 blah. So I saw that lane and now I'm working on getting that going. That's really smart. Because in all markets, like, especially in the like art industry, music, videography, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's something called the blue ocean strategy. Have you guys heard of it? Say that. You read that like, book? I read that book. <laughs> so basically it's like to win your competition in business, you make a new, like a new, uh, area. Of, yeah. This is it's going into the, the, uh, the least saturated area of yes. business yeah. because you're way more likely to basically run Stand it up out, and, yeah. and be the number one, the face. Yeah. Um, if you're not going into something like like you said like everybody's trying to come into the studio to be yeah. a rapper so they're their so probability you made your, your yeah. own yeah. Mm -hmm. and i've seen i've seen one group that i've um i've kind of followed over the last couple of years um that i would say is kind of making a a little kind of like run as like a, a cool orlando reggae and um i think they're called cashed out i don't know if you heard of them but they're called cashed out i met their um, merchandise brand manager one time who was working mm. somewhere and I met him he told me about this race so I followed him and then they actually had a concert at the Orlando Amphitheater and I went um, and saw that I think it was when Damien came out um, but it was cool to like it's cool just to kind of dip in that world and see but when I went and saw them like they're, they're great musicians like I don't take anything away from any artist that gets on stage and makes music and pours the soul out because that's mm -hmm. what we do we take things from the inside we bring it out to it's the expression. world and we Facts. hope that the world doesn't eat us up for it. But mm -hmm. usually they do. But either yeah. way, you know, so I'm watching and I'm like, yo, like there's nothing that they're doing that I can't do. You know what I mean? Like there there's nothing so immaculately special about these guys. No offense, cash out. I love you. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's nothing like so immaculate that I, that was making me like, oh, I don't I can't do that. It was mm -hmm. like, no, that is like very, very, very easy. Mm -hmm. And. It was just cool to see. And then within the reggae as well, you notice that there's so, as you dive in, there's within that genre, just like hip hop, just like there's a blend, you know, you have different kind of sounds within reggae. You mm -hmm. have the kind of like white boy Cali reggae, the sublime, the sticky, the, you fingers. Know, the sticky fingers. I yeah. love sticky fingers, but mm -hmm. like it's a sound, you know what I mean? When you put on sticky fingers, like. My friend showed me the first time I heard him. I was like, yo, this is dope. Musically dope. Boom, boom. But I was like, right away, I'm like, these are white boys. Like, they're, yeah, they're, are they from Cali or are they from West Coast? Like, I could just tell that sound, but that's a sound. Even in Hawaii, you go to Hawaii and, you know, cats like uh, Jay Boogs and Fiji and. You know, um, uh, Eli Mack. Yeah. yeah I know yeah, so yes. many Hawaiian. I love <laughs> I love reggae. So but I want to know some of your. It's a kind of reggae, yeah. right? You know, it's kind of like slower. It's kind of more lovey. And then you go to like where reggae started their roots in jamaica like mm -hmm. that shit can get really dubby like exactly. there's so many <laughs> blends within that you know so um and even shout out uh soldier is one of my favorite oh, bands yeah. mm -hmm. they just won Fire. their first grammy and you know they had a big you know controversy over it because they're at the end of the day they're white dudes from dc uh -huh. um you know so it was a big controversy but my thing was being half black half white right my thing was like if you dive into a certain culture you know these guys at 16 17 like started making reggae and at this point in their lives at like 35 they've probably been in more reggae culture situations around the world 
than just some nigga in Florida complaining that they won a Grammy. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Like exactly. really understanding the culture and it goes past the skin color really like that's if dedication. you go and dive into the culture, the people from the culture will accept you. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you're you're taking on something that they're proud of and they're like, wow, this outsider is taking it on. It's usually the people who aren't even in that culture are like, oh, that you're hate, doing yeah. this, you're doing that. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it comes down to the music and them boys make some amazing reggae music. So who are some of your top reggae artists or bands? So sonically, um, I love Soja. Uh, Mike Love. A lot of people don't know about Mike Love. Yeah, I don't Mike know who that is. Oh my God! And it's just a coincidence that we have the same last name. But um, he's an Oahu-based uh, reggae artist, um, and he's in his like mid thirties now too. And that's another thing about reggae that I kind of saw is as I'm getting a little bit older. You know, I mean, thirty is not that old, but at the same time, it's like trying to become a thirty-five-year-old hip-hop rapper versus becoming a 35 year old reggae artist two different brands almost as you get older in reggae you, you almost get better you yeah. almost get like your your legendariness ages but yeah. then it, you get older in hip-hop you know you become an uncle or you fall off you either become yeah. cool like uncle snoop you know what i mean yeah. or you fall off in your fucking chingy or something well like you that. also <laughs> are making your own like market kind of because exactly. you're doing both like and there's a lot of like stigmas like in the industry like you have to be this way yeah yeah you don't because you were just saying um back in the day like you were one thing like i'm a model mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. not i'm not a model but like you know what i'm saying yeah. you're you're oh yeah i want to talk more about your modeling and acting as well but yeah. t- keep continue with uh the reggae artist so um mike love an amazing reggae artist uh he performs with a band but he can do all of his songs without a band on a foot pedal and loop his shit and he'll just be like loop that and then and just build the whole song with his voice and with his guitar and then sing the song you know fkj yeah yeah i'm sorry that reminds me of that Mm -hmm. very very similar talent um, talent to the ceiling oh my god so like mike love shout out mike love and it's it's cool because he's finally really getting some like international praise like he would do shows in hawaii for free all the time just like and he was one of the hawaii's biggest artists and he would just do a show for free pop up he would come he would stay and talk to you like i've met him multiple times i was in college working on albums and i made cds and shit so i went to him like he's probably got three of my albums you know what i mean so that's like, the best thing i'm like yo that's my crazy. last name's love too we're gonna do a song together so it's, <laughs> it's just cool and he came out to florida and he performed and i got to see him there so um i really love mike love i love soja um obviously you go you go back you know bob the goat yeah of course the ghost um and all his descendants my favorite right now is um oh right, two things one fa- favorite artist is skip right now like skip yo he is, I was just about to say. he is like the reincarnation <laughs> of bob. bob like he looks like him he sounds like him like he is his own entity of course you, you know, know what's what I mean? crazy He's his own being but like that like even more so than damien like he just his look alone you look at that boy you're like yo i can see your grandfather in you it's it's crazy everyone says that too and um like when i first moved here uh slow down came out i think man i love that song so much and then um this is so weird and random but i have a bearded dragon that i named i named skip because i was i was either gonna be marley or skip and then my friend that was living with me she was like skip is different yeah yeah yes Well, um, so uh, sonically, though, my goal, if I could paint any picture, is there's a there's an album by Nas and Damian Marley. 
It's called Distant Relatives. It's It was a big album when it came out, but I bring it up to people. I bring it up to even older cats, and they don't know about it. But Nas and Damian Marley had this album, a joint album called Distant Relatives. And to me, oh, that's what I want to be as one person, if I can fuse those two worlds. Because the beats alone are very, like, hip-hop, but they have, like, rootsy reggae. Like, it was progressive, especially. Like, you listen to it now. That album, I think, was done in 2010. Mm-hmm. And you listen to it now, and sonically, like the kicks are still there, the 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 subs are still. It's still. It doesn't feel like to you listen to a, a rap song for 2010. It still. It feels like 2010, yeah. right? But you listen to this, and it still feels like now almost. So it's timeless. That, that shows you that they were they were making music ahead of their time, and things have to catch up. But that album is amazing because you will have the the Rucci reggae and the production is just amazing. But then you'll have Damien come in with the the super rootsy reggae but it's conscious mm-hmm. and then on top of that you'll have Nas come on top with some crazy conscious rapping like you know Nas blah, 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 blah. then back to Damien I want to be that as one person so that's the goal of the the debut album um I guess I don't I've told people before I don't think I've ever said it on camera but it's going to be called The Boulevard um wow. yeah exclusives so, here exclusive <laughs> so I've actually known that since I was like 13 years old once 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 I really started doing music and i was like all right i want to make an album i the boulevard was the one so now i've been doing about 15 years it's time to time to do that and it's basically just my life story um every song is going to be a uh street a street name oh that's like a different like my hospital the the address of my hospital Mm. the address of my first home the address of different addresses and then they'll have like a name attached to it but it's literally going to be my life story from I'm starting. The first song is called The Womb. So I'm literally starting from the womb mm. up until 30. Mm. No features? Probably uh, my dad. He's always going to want to rap on a track. He raps? No, 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 he doesn't <laughs> rap. But he's like, hey, man, hey, you you always playing around, man. I, I got oh, bars, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get on should, song. Blah, you should blah, definitely blah, blah, do voiceovers. Yeah, so, um, so that and... If it makes sense, it's not about not having features, you know, because there's meaningful people in my life. Um, it just made if, if, if it makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, and then the the last piece and then we can get into other things like modeling and acting. But um, um, what I'm planning to do in the next few months is I'm saving up to get uh, a trailer, like a fifth wheel. Big oh, wow. Boy, big boy. Um, I'm going to hitch up maybe January. I'm shoot for March um, and take about three months and hitch up and drive the country and write slash record the album. So I'm going to start in Florida, go up the East Coast, come across the top, go Cali, down Cali, come back around and take maybe two or three months to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, stay at national parks, stay at, you know what I mean? Just like stay in the nature, just me and my dog and create this album, create this music and kind of just find myself, you know, six months until I'm 30. This whole process is kind of like the process of resetting, you know? Boom. It's a rebirth. Then, yeah, rebirth, yeah. really, really. It's like so. almost... Well, it's like nine months to create a baby. Yeah. Nine yeah. months For to create about yourself. Yep. It really is. It really is. So, um, and then I capped that off with uh, going to Thailand for my 30th. <gasps> yeah. Nice. Then, yeah. Go out there yeah. and fight a little bit, chill out a little bit, and then come back to uh, come back to Florida and hit the ground running and start start the that start the company. Amazing. So that's kind of like the the synopsis of where I'm at now. But I love I, I love that because. I can almost feel a different energy. Like, obviously I haven't heard anything yeah. yet, but it's like just the 
process of how you're talking about how you're going to lay everything out mm-hmm. and how it has like a much more deeper meaning to you. Yeah. It's not just something that uh, I'm going to just pull up on the mic and I'm going to just say something. I, this is like a journey for me. Yeah. It's, it's my, like, it's, it's my life story. And honestly, mm-hmm. like after I get the book, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier is after these four projects, you know, the, the reggae album, the cover albums, just to kind of get me warmed up for, you know, cause the boulevard is, is meant to be, that Damian Marley not a sound to mm-hmm. have the rap and the reggae. So the cover album comes first just to really get me into that reggae zone. Um, and then, you know, I have to do the, the the album for my dad's film and the rap album's just like a fuck you basically. And then after that, after I get the Boulevard out, like I don't see, I don't see anything. Like for a long time, I've, I've been able to look, you know, ever since I was 14, 15 and started music, I could look and see and see and see. But I don't see anything after that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's cool. It's kind of freeing. So maybe I'll never do another album. Probably not. You know, who knows? Stuff might blow up and I might get some phone calls and I got to go places. If that happens, that's mm-hmm. cool too. But I'm not putting anything on it. It's really, truly just about getting it out of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it really is just getting my life story out because that's one thing my dad always said is he's like, in all your music, I've dropped, I've dropped a lot of music. I've dropped probably five full projects. Um, and I call them albums because they're fully produced. They weren't, you know, other people's beats. Like mm-hmm. we mixed them, we mastered them. Um, they might not have been under a label, but yeah. um, that's why, you know, they're out on Spotify, all that. But he was like, yo, you talk about yourself and, you know, in your music, you tell a lot of things and we can get who you are. But he's like, who are you though? Like, you know, you you haven't had that song or that that moment of like, yo, explaining to the people who you are we see this mm-hmm. guy with the blonde dreads we see this we see all this stuff but it's like where does this dude come from and he's like if people really knew your story and where you came from and the things that you've been through mm-hmm. like that that he's like that's what's gonna that's what's gonna make the people relate and that's what's gonna blow you up so i'm like all right time to give him the story now mm-hmm. you know time to time to give it to him so give this is almost want. like the identity reveal like yeah for right. sure for sure because there's there's a lot of stuff you know like um like one thing is I went to a one thing that's going to be a big prevalence on the album. I have two or three songs is, is high school. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a big part of anybody's lives. And some people let go of it. Some people can't. Some people live in high school. I'm not saying that's where I'm at, but it was a big part of my life. And it did. I can look back and see how it constructed me. And there was one point in high school for about. Let's say sophomore, junior year going into senior year for maybe like two and a half years where I was homeless. Like me and my pops, we were homeless in LA, like mm-hmm. sleeping in cars, sleeping in like hotels, sleeping in crack houses. Like when I, not, my dad was on crack, but like, you know, wow. I had a, 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 my dad's friend or an uncle and there's this house with like five grown ass men. And this one dude who was a trust fund baby, his name's Uncle Pete. Shout out Uncle Pete. He's not he's not a real uncle, uncle but uh, he's uh, he's the son of uh, one of the scientists who created the hydrogen bomb with uh, Einstein back in the day. What? Wow. Yeah. So he's a musical genius. Dude was a musical genius, alcoholic crackhead, but musical fucking genius. Like the when people he wasn't <laughs> when he wasn't on the shit, he, he was very like intellectual. He could fucking play Mozart and Bowdoin. I would love to hang out Bro, with him. Yes. No, and then like so like and then you'll come in and when he's drunk and fucked up so like we would i was saying there was like roach infested you know what i mean you would walk in people would be cooking crack sometimes my dad would have to beat a nigga's ass every now and then like this was like 15 16 17 wow yeah and you you and your dad didn't like 
you guys were living in the situation, but yeah. didn't like take any part of anything. Oh hell no! Wait, wait, like crack? No, not even crack. <laughs> no. But like even just like I don't know, like we weed is more like like yeah. More chill, well, no, but... like in terms of uh, at least for me, you know, as a kid, my my dad is one hundred percent like hardcore. Like that nigga is something special. Like no one would. I would. I would. That's the cool thing is because I was with him. It's not like like I was ever safe. I never ever feared my life because my dad is straight alpha male, and mm-hmm. like like that man can break someone's neck with two two moves. You know. So mm-hmm. I never felt unsafe. And it was funny because the reason why we were in that situation was, um, my dad was working as a producer on this Hollywood TV show. It was called it was called The Moment of Truth something like that and basically they asked people 21 questions and if you got all the questions right you 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 know won a million dollars but mm. towards the end they asked you crazier questions like have you ever stolen from your boss you ever cheated on your husband and if you lied you lose all the money but if That's you're able insane. to tell the truth how so, did they wait do they have you hook up to like a polygraph or something like a poly they you know shows like oh, before like they ask you these the research and they ask you questions before you come on the show and uh-huh. this and that um but uh so he was a producer on that show very low level like bottom level producer he was making three grand a week, a week. And this was, this was before I came out. This was the summer before I moved out from Florida. I was, I did my ninth grade year here, Lake Brantley high school gang gang. And then I moved out to Cali. And then, so like right before I was out, um, he was working at this place and he was making good Hollywood money. Like imagine being a low level, like you're the bottom of all producers. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're making three grand a week. Hey, you're doing good. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? So, However, being a black man in the industry, he had to do some shit and he was he was he was having to do um, basically like minorities would come in very early, like maybe six, seven a.m. Mm. And then they'd be like, all right, boom, boom. My dad was like the the guy to deal with the minorities, right? Mm. Black people, whoever. Mm-hmm. But then white people would come in later, maybe 10, 11, 12, and they would shoot them. So like. The black people, Hispanics, they would be there from like 6 a.m. and wouldn't get shot until like 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night. And then they see all these other people coming in, the the, the people that the producers want, really wanted on the show, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, right? And they would get shot right away. White people come in, get shot right away, go off, go about their day. So the people would be like, yo, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. My dad was the guy in the middle. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the Negro there, like, hey, <laughs> hey, niggas, like, chill on out. Mm-hmm. We're good. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he would have to go back to the, the white boys in the suits, like, all right you know, corralling the Negroes basically. So he mm. made the decision like, no, I rather fucking hustle in the streets and show, show my son a man who is about his integrity and a man who is about then to go and get the dollar knowing that I'm fucking over my own people, mm. you know? So that was a decision he made. And that's why we were in that situation. And as I got older, even as a kid, I was like, cool. Well, I was like, whatever, I'm with you. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. I'm with you. But now that I'm older, like, that taught me such a life lesson of mm-hmm. like, yo, you got a, you got a fucking 14 year old son in the streets. And because you don't want to go against your soul, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Go against other people. You rather live this type, sort of life and show them like, this is the reality of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could go be doing this, but it's harmful to people. So mm-hmm. we're going to live like this. And I can down, see those, down those ride. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, down a ride. Yeah. And then on top mm-hmm. of that, I was on a, um, a scholarship in high school to a private school called Montclair Prep. Mm-hmm. So I was going to school with like Macy Gray's kids, David Hasselhoff's kids, 
Sylvester Stallone's kids went to my school at one point. Like uh-huh. celebrities' kids. Uh, Michael Jackson went to our school. Not not while I was there, but like when he was a kid, he went to that school at one point. So uh-huh. like the school is like eighty k a year for high school. You know what I mean? Sheesh. Um, and I was the quarterback, so I was on a full ride Dang. football scholarship. So literally, I'm going, and you know, our our school had like three hundred kids, really small private school. Um, our rival, funny enough, was uh, Sierra Canyon, and Sierra Canyon is where Bronny James plays. Uh, so we used to play Sierra Canyon all the time. Like we were in that LA, you know what I mean? Bronny James. Like yeah, imagine yeah, yeah, the kids yeah. he goes to school with. Like I was going to school with those kids. And, you know, I'd be going to school and these kids are complaining like, my dad got me a C-class Beamer instead of a B-class Beamer. I fucking hate my life. Oh, my God. I'm like, bitch, I'm about to go to sleep in a car. Or I'm about to go to sleep in a crack house with roaches. So how was that there, though? You couldn't really relate to them on, like, that mm. well, level. So. It, it was beautiful because, um, you know, like, my mom's white. I come from, you know, suburbs, America, like, you know, Altamont Springs. But my mm-hmm. dad's, you know, black from the hood, like, for lack of a better term. So my whole life I've been back and forth. My whole life I've had to understand those two extremes of America races. And mm-hmm. then if you can understand those, you can understand anything in between. Asians, Hispanics, all that other mm-hmm. shit. That's all in between. And you're allowed to, you know understand other people's cultures because my two cultures are so heavily opposite like low-key racist white people with like you know like right so my whole life i had to go kind of back and forth and understand and it built i think it built a very good quality in me to really like i'm able to put myself in other people's perspectives that's a good blessing to have because a lot of people they don't get to experience different cultures like mm -hmm. that and that they get so blinded like that whoever you went to school with oh i didn't get this beamer i wanted like Yo, and it showed me another side of life. Like I would go to school and I'd be like, "Yo, like honestly, I I felt bad for them." Mm -hmm. I was like, "Y'all don't get it. Like y'all don't get how real it is out here. Like y'all y'all are so." And I know that no individual can go through life one hundred percent all rosy. Mm -hmm. So I felt bad for them for the day they realize my side of life. Yes. Because for me, it's like I only have up to go. Like mm-hmm. y'all, I get to see the beamers. I get to I get to visualize and see these that it's actually possible. Unlike maybe some kid in the hood who never even gets to see that. Yeah, like he doesn't even get to visualize that. So how is he supposed to do that for himself? Mm-hmm. At least I got to be around like my counselor. I'm in a meeting with my counselor. She got a million dollar check. It's like Dang. two Shannon. You know what I mean? Like already cash and shit. But like I got to look at a million. Like yo, that shit's a reality. Like there's yeah. people out here making million dollar checks and more. Like whoa, you know so. When I saw that, I really felt bad for these a lot of these kids, you know, and not all of them, not all of them, because just because you have money doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make mm-hmm. you dumb or doesn't make, Is it you, gonna you, know make you, you happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't doesn't make you bad either. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you like um, not loving to people that's mm-hmm. taught money or not money. You know, so there's a lot of these rich kids who would see my situation and I made really cool bonds and really cool relationships with some really rich kids. You know what I'm saying? Because they didn't judge me for my situation. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they were taught by their parents a different way. Now, some of the other kids were, weren't were taught or they were taught another way. So mm. I just felt bad for the kids who were just, and not even bad, but it's like, yo, life is too real. When life really kicks you, when you go through some shit and your mommy and daddy's not around and you have to like deal with maybe just a fraction of the shit mm. I have to deal with, you're going to freak out and you're going to like, like explode, you know, internally combust. Mm-hmm. So it got me to see like, yeah, I might have to, boom 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 i might have to like sleep in this car i might have to but i have a dad who fucking loves me like i have i have someone who is there a lot of these kids their parents aren't even home you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like um shout out my boy goober um 
I don't know. I don't know if you'll ever. Yo, Goober. Goober is I like a man. That. So Goober, um, Goober was this kid, man. Shout out you, Goober. He was actually a really good friend of mine. Um, and back in the day, back in high school, he was like just super nerdy. You know what I mean? Kind of got picked on by a lot of people. Goober I sounds like a nerd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't his real name. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that yeah. was the name. But he took it on, you know, I like on his it, chest. But, um, he embraced it. And he got picked on a lot. And it, it was cool because of who I was. Right. And all the shit that I've seen in the different worlds. Like I was the captain of the football team and I was the quarterback, but I also mm-hmm. was like in honor rolls and had like a 4.0 GPA. So I was with the really smart kids, but then I was with the jocks as well. So mm-hmm. I like related to everybody. So, you know, like someone like Goober got picked on a lot, but someone like me was like, yo, what up, go? So we were cool. Turns out this kid is the son of the Golden State Warriors owner. Wow. Yeah, and this is right before they started winning all them championships. Like right, right before. Maybe they won one. But um so he was a son. And then Goober would go home and his dad was, I think he was adopted. So his dad was super, super old. You know, the if you look it up, his dad's like super old, like seventy something. Oh, wow. So he would go home, his dad was never there. Big ass mansion. Like kids I never went to his house, but like kids would talk about, yo, Goober invited me over. We went, oh, he's got this pool, he got this mansion, he got all these cars, blah, 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 blah. And not me being who I am put myself in goober shoes and sat like yo it's gotta be crazy not to have like real parents to be adopted yeah i might have millions and millions of dollars in my golden state and i'm on the boom but like i go home to an empty house and a nanny you know yeah. what i'm saying like there's the different sides of life mm-hmm. you know so like being where i was i was i felt so blessed i felt loved and by senior year we got our own apartment you know what i'm saying things were looking up my dad mm-hmm. you know like everything was cool but i would not trade those those two years for anything they, they really made me who I am in a way and allowed me to see. So that that experience of high school, that's that's at least two or three songs. Mm-hmm. So just like the boulevard and really just talking about just looking at me and just who I am. Most people wouldn't assume that I went through shit like that. And I don't mm-hmm. give it off. I don't. So that's what my pops is like. You got to tell your story. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. that way people can at least know who you are and then relate to you. So. And I feel like that uh, that's like a testament to what how you've been able to like get to this level is just it seems like no matter what stage you were at, you were just always in a realm of like gratitude of like what was going on with you and how it, it could be worse. But it's like you have good relationships, you have yeah. your 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 dad and everything like that. Like and it's blessed. Yeah. man. that's it. It's it's all perspective. It really is like shit's gonna happen to all of us to, you know what i mean like everything everything and anything can happen you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like anything happens on this this plane you know like people win the lotto people you know make millions of dollars and you know babies die like that's just real like all that shit happens and everything in between so mm-hmm. it's really about being the individual internally not letting the world uh kind of corrupt you not letting all this craziness just eat at you to the spot to where you're you're mad and you're angry you know mm-hmm. so like really just living in a spot of just i'm blessed i'm blessed i'm blessed yes i don't have this yes i don't have yes yes i want this yes it could be better if i had this and boom 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 but um there's one line in a song that i made a long time ago um and it's and it says all that you have is all that you have and all that you need is all that you have so I had this thought of like, say someone were to come up, just stab, I'm stabbed right now, right? You're laying out bleeding on the floor. You're like, ah. until the moment you actually pass over and die or pass over to the next round, 
you have everything in you that you need to survive and keep bleeding. You have all the blood. You're bleeding out. But until you actually, oh, you have all that you have. You only have what you have. Mm-hmm. But what you have is all that you need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To get to where you want to go. You mm-hmm. know, so like, like if you really understand that, then it's it's knowing that, yeah, I might not have everything right now, but if I can stay blessed and really just be appreciative yep. of where I am, then you're only going to keep elevating. Yeah, gratitude is the key mm-hmm. to elevating. For real. And I noticed that uh, just you going through the different, those different things that you went through, it actually like brings you to a higher state of gratitude in the first place. Just yeah. because mm-hmm. like, it, like you were talking about the kids who were like, oh, I didn't get this. Mm-hmm immaculate gift that i wanted i got this lower class gift mm-hmm. it's like how are you supposed to accept gr- anything yeah anything. Like- you can get anything and you'll never feel satisfied you'll never feel full you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think that's that's a lot of like the the Taoist, a lot of buddhist teachings a lot of like enlightenment teachings just talk about the the only stresses that we have come from desiring things. Mm-hmm. if you don't desire anything if you don't want nothing then nothing will bother you now way easier said than done 1000 percent. but you know i think there's there's truth in that as well have you gone through any uh like of those practices like from like Tao or hinduism (laughs) buddhism well i would say in hawaii and i and this is this is a big part of this journey as well is kind of kind of get back to a little bit back to not who i was before but where i was before because you mm-hmm. always are who you are that's mm-hmm. that person's always inside of you and you know um even that future person right like mm-hmm. say i were to win a grammy you know one day at 36 that means i won a grammy at 10 that means i won a grammy at, that means it was in mm-hmm. my life path to win mm-hmm. a grammy so let yep. me just live like that yep um you know so what were we talking about do you practice yeah yeah do you practice in hawaii when i was there for about six years and i had that that freedom i did a lot of exploration um i got my undergrad it was art my my undergrad was in studio art and art history and Mm. with art history you have to study like you know buddhist art um art art history is really history as well so Mm -hmm. you're learning about the religions you have to learn why they made the stupas why they painted it this way why the religion was this Mm -hmm. and we did that for a lot of different religions so educational wise uh and hawaii is very known for their inner uh international um east because they're in the middle they're the west and the east so uh-huh. they're they're a spot to where um those kind of cultures and those minds meet in the middle in hawaii and talk about western philosophies versus eastern philosophies so educationally yes i had a lot of education about different religions mm-hmm. different philosophies different backgrounds and practices not only growing up but in school um through my degree but I would say even even past, you know, the text and past learning what other men have developed about the world and now are putting out, mm-hmm. I got an opportunity to ask myself and to live in a world where I was free of the distractions of everything. Mm-hmm. And I could really just be free enough to fucking take shrooms for a week and go walk around. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like for a whole week. Like I was on shrooms. Like I did that like I think once a year for three years. I was on a whole shroom, week a whole week wow shrooms like lived like lived in that because you know when you take shrooms you're in this world and you have all these thoughts but kind of like smoking or drinking like your tolerance gets up to mm-hmm. anything you know what i mean were so, you like microdosing or no i was taking like, 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 trips. like at least two grams a day <laughs> Dang. like at least maybe a half an eighth to an eighth a day so how did wow. that change you how did that change your mind oh man well 
different experience. It's not just the drugs. It's, I'm just really talking about the freedom of the mental exploration. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, there's times I was doing it without shrooms. You know what I mean? Just, just taking, uh, hikes and trips and mm-hmm. sober hikes and hugging trees and having full conversations with the earth. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, drugs do help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kind of like that catapult, yeah, it's like a catalyst. But then you realize when you, once you do that, there are ways to induce these feelings and to induce higher states mm-hmm. of vibration without drugs, with mm-hmm. breath, you know, breath. deep breath work yes. with, with meditation. And it takes longer and it takes practice. You know, drugs mm-hmm. are kind of sometimes a shortcut, but sometimes they can become the crutch, mm-hmm. right? That's when they get dangerous. But anyways, I'll say as for the shrooms um, and that experience, it was like it allowed me to because I wanted to see. I want to see because, like, when you're when you first do them, you're giggly. You almost can't talk. Like, at least you know what I mean. You're yeah. just in this weird state. <laughs> I want to see, like, could I get to a spot where I had these thoughts in this in this awakened state, but like existed in my actual life? Yeah. And, like, went to the store. Oh my bad. Ooh, went to the store. <laughs> went to Taco Bell and like and get to a spot to where maybe people couldn't even realize. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you know because a lot of times we're in you know, those states. You want to tell people like. Oh man, I did this or I did it. You're proud <laughs> yeah. or you're afraid or whatever. So I got yeah. this spot of real control of like, you know, do it for a few days and it was wonky at first. But then once you, once you were in that world and you, you stayed in it and mm-hmm. you learn how to communicate, you learn how to talk. Now you're, you're existing and you have those shroomy thoughts, those higher vibrational thoughts, mm-hmm. but you're living out. You're not just in your room. You're not on a hike. Like you're mm-hmm. interacting and you have to do shit throughout your day. Right? Dang, that sounds, mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot. I wasn't to driving. Interact. Kids do not drive on <laughs> any hallucinogens. No, for real. Like don't drive on don't hallucinogens. Don't do drugs. Yeah. You know, I specifically don't drive on hallucinogens. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. You but can do like, drugs. In Hawaii, I was, you know, I could walk everywhere. You know what I mean? So like, I would boom, mm-hmm. boom. But I just lived in the state where. I was able to be in that mindset and explore and then you know, you come out of it and it's just little bits and pieces of finding yourself here. So there, how old were there. you when you were doing this? Uh, I would say probably not my first year in college. Probably I started getting a real trippy maybe my second year. So from 19, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you say that kind of kickstarted your journey of consciousness and like higher like awareness? I think it was... I think it's always it was always kickstarted. I was always that kind of kid, you know what I mean? Because you have to be. There's people who don't even ever want to try it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because they're like, "Oh my god, I don't know my mind." Blah, well, blah, blah. it's not I, for everybody, exactly. Either, but I was that shows you that I was already in the mind state of of exploring mm-hmm. and accepting and trying to find myself and this and that. And if this natural remedy could possibly help me get there, you know what I'm saying, or, or help me see something that I haven't seen before. Okay, cool, you know, because I was already in that state of mm. i want to explore i want to find out about myself i want to push past the boundaries of man you mm-hmm. know what i mean in my own fears you know so i was already there um and that's why i was able to you know do these things and i'm not saying like every every shroom experience was the most magical like, <laughs> no sometimes you go through it and sometimes like you're meant to go through some shit like mm-hmm. sometimes the certain things bring out of you what you're hiding from yourself mm-hmm. and what you so put so true. low that you can just go and I can do work and I can do this, but you have something that you know comes up in your mind for a second and you mm-hmm. put it down and you're not dealing with it. It's like but a teacher. Then, yes. But the minute you take shrooms, the gates are unleashed. Yes. Those things that you, you don't want to think about, away. <laughs> you think about and you have to sit there and deal with it and cry it out or laugh it out or scream it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, even off of my, more intense, I wouldn't even say bad shroom trips. I don't, I've never had a 
I've had some intense shit. I've had a bad acid trip. I'll say that. But I've never had a bad Ooh. shroom trip. I've had some intense ones, some really deep ones. But, like, every time after you come out and you're like, everything's okay. Yeah. Because you, you had to sit and think about this problem that was about to end your life. And it was so boom, boom. But once you sat there and you couldn't and you just thought about it, and you're like, you know what? I'm still alive. Like, yep. My, my rent might not get paid tomorrow, but I'll be all right. <laughs> There's no SWAT team's going to come in here and, you know. So. Yeah. Kind of keeps you calm. But yeah, that's where that was a big time in my life where I was able to just explore, just yeah. explore, explore. Did you uh, in, incorporate any uh, like meditation or anything like that? <laughs> yes. So that was a big part of it as well was um, there was a time, probably a solid year, I think maybe like my 21st year or something where I trained heavily 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 in astral projection and meditate on uh, meditation astral projection but like i say astral projection specifically because that was like training for me after you do a lot of research and realize things and this and that mm -hmm. um you realize that these special powers that we all have with inside of us mm -hmm. are only enacted if we put the energy into them you know what mm -hmm. i mean just like muscles just like jumping high or whatever like you have to practice these things and do research and listen to other people how they were able excuse me how they were able to do it and, how, and the things that they you know uh hills hurdles so once you did mm -hmm. once i did that research i remember coming home for like six months straight straight from school take the bus home back to chinatown go in my bed shut my windows boom and go practice for three hours now it was different like i would basically be taking a three-hour nap but i wasn't like it, there was intent behind it it wasn't mm -hmm. like i'm gonna go to sleep Right. I would sit there and I was like, I'm going to astral project. And I did this research and I remember that, like, if I sit here long enough, something's going to get itchy. I have to ignore the itch because that's your body telling you trying to test to see if you're awake or not. You know what I mean? So I ignore mm -hmm. the itch and then I start to feel my toes tingle. And I'm like, OK, this is something I remember reading. Like yeah. your toes will tingle, mm -hmm. then your feet. And then if you concentrate and you breathe, boom, boom, and then you start to feel this. Right. So after all this research and practice. Right. And then it's the fear, too. It's 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 being able to let go. And then you get to the spots where these things start to happen. All these things that you're reading, you're about to and then you doubt it or you, you freak out yep. and then you wake up. Right. And so you're back. Right. <laughs> and then you're back. Right. So it took me months and months coming home, practicing. Boom. But then I remember one specific, specific time of astral projection. And I could say I legitimately 1000 percent astral projected. And it was during a time where I was training to do this. Maybe it was like six or seven months in. I'm like sleeping. It's like nighttime. Like it's kind of like like I wake up and it's like. You ever see a movie where it has like this blue film over it? Just like yeah. a nighttime kind of blue film. So like, I'm like, oh, I got to, I think I, I was hungry or something. I don't know why I was up, but I go to stand up. I stand up, I'm like, ah, and I look down and my feet are gone. Like it's just ankles into the floor. And I'm what? like, I'm like, where the fuck are my feet? And this is different than a, like, this was a different state than a dream. Like mm -hmm. there, there's times where like lucid dreaming is different than astral projection. Lucid mm -hmm. dreaming is where you're dreaming. You realize within the dream that you're dreaming mm -hmm. and you're able to, you know, yeah. shift the dream based off of that. Um, astral projection is taking, you know, your ether body and, and mm -hmm. going to different places, going to see dead relatives, going to different but things. But that could also be dangerous as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, do your research. But yeah. yes. um, so I look down, I'm like, my feet are gone. And then it hit. I was like, oh, I was like, I'm doing it. Don't freak out. <laughs> I was like, literally, I was like, don't freak out. Boom, boom, boom. I was like, okay, I'm like, here. I was like, all right, let me walk to the door. So I went and I didn't even walk. Like I just, yeah. and I was at the door and I was like, okay. I was like, all right, 
I'm not trying to get fine. If this is real right now, I'll be able, walls don't exist, doors don't exist. I'm in my ether body. I know my kitchen was underneath me. We had two stories. I, my room was on the second one. I was like, I'll be able to just sink down to my kitchen. Boom. I'm in my kitchen. I'm like, oh, Dang. shit. I'm looking. I'm literally looking around my kitchen. I'm like looking at like items, things that I know were there. Because that's one practice that they say is like, um, go, you know, like memorize something. Place. Remember something like that little Eiffel Tower, right? Mm -hmm. Or like put something somewhere. And then when you go to sleep and you actually project, you can go to that thing and see, oh, wow. like That's that, like that an item inception. Is there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. So I'm looking around. I'm like, yo, this is my kitchen. I go out to like my little living room. There's a door and like a window. And I get to the window. And I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm about to go explore. I'm about to just shoot off in the space. Uh, this is where I kind of back up. You just I, hit the window. I, and I'm just like, <laughs> you have to fly through the window, bro. Like, this is it. Like, you have to fly through the window. Like, so then I go, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I go, ooh. And right before I get the window, I, I felt myself doubt myself. Hit the window. And I'm up. And I'm like, fuck. I was, like, I was excited, but I was like, yo, I almost made it to that next. Just what was, yeah. what else was out there? You it's know? like your so, excitement gauge hit too high. Yeah, and you was just high, like, all right, nope. Nah, like, it's that hesitation. It's yeah. like what that reminds me of what you just said. You ever, because uh, if you didn't know, I, d I did martial arts too, or I still do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time when you do a belt test, you have to break like pieces of wood in different ways or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's like that hesitation. You ever like had yeah. to hit a wood? If you hesitate when you punch it, mm -hmm. you that's gotta, the worst you thing. You got you to gotta punch through it. Yeah, you, punch, you gotta go you, through. But have, have y'all ever seen uh, Lock and Key? It's a show on Netflix. Uh -uh. Y'all got to watch this. But uh -huh. that also reminds me of that because it's really cool. It's like um, this this house that belonged to this family called the Locks. And they have these different keys for different things. So you can go into someone's mind. There's this one where you walk to the door. There's a... If you once you leave the door, your body drops and your soul can oh. go explore. Yeah. Wow. And you Same have thing. to come back. Mm -hmm. And if someone closes the door, you're like, uh, you're, oh, your you're tether is gone. Yeah. Tether is <laughs> and, it, and it's interesting because like I was I was thinking these things and going through these things, you know, literally 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. I was a trippy dude. That's trippy Trey. Like, oh, my God. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But now it's everywhere. Now you have Doctor Strange. Now you have, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? All these Hollywood movies, um, just talking about these other things. Talking but they about make it seem fake. They do, but but they put the they you can't just give them the answers. You can't give the people. You have to put it. It's like uh, the fairy tales. It's the it's the riddles. Mm -hmm. You know the answers are out there, but the people mm -hmm. have to have to develop them. Because if you just most people are like, oh, that was a cool movie, but certain people, and that's why kids who are closer to that true self than anybody else they just came out the room they just came from the other side you mm -hmm. know what i mean that's why those movies relate to kids because they're not bombarded by the world's you know all that shit yeah. like mm -hmm. to them that shit can really happen and it keeps that mind going and i truly believe that like as adults that shit is real too you can keep that shit going you can keep the magic of life going that if child. you believe you know mm -hmm. um so when you were astral projecting yeah did you ever get in touch with any past life experiences so i did meditation one time uh this one time i never a couple times um uh one time i did this meditation where i met my future self 
right? Mm. Like I, I did this research and watched the movie, boom, boom, and I was like, go out, boom, boom, and I met my future self and I walked up. Don't remember too much, but it was, you know, when I was like 20, 21. However, I think it was on my 22nd birthday or something. I went to, no, it was on, I was on tour when I was on tour. I went on tour one time, uh, inter-island music tour. Mm. Uh, all the different islands. We island hopped wow, for like crazy. seven days and that did sounds like amazing. a few yes. different shows. <laughs> right. it, was, it was really cool. It was like the one and only tour that I've done. So hopefully I get it. Mm-hmm. That, that's one experience that I want again for sure. Um, but me and my my boy John Lyon, shout out John Lyon. Check him out. You can look him up on all platforms. He's another amazing artist, amazing producer. Uh, one of my brothers that I started really doing the music with back in the day. Mm-hmm. But we went to this uh, Black Sand beach on the big island it was a nude beach so um <laughs> right and we go and like we take the shrooms we took some shrooms on that one we're and we had like a so a friend who was on shrooms right this older cat named g um he drove us there boom we get and like they're kind of kicking in right you know as we and the cool thing about hawaii beaches is it's not like florida like you have to earn it like the most beautiful beaches in hawaii you gotta have to, walk like, go like over two miles hall. yeah you gotta like go there and go through these bushes and then just and then boom, you're at this magical place it's not yeah. like just okay we're at the beach like you always gotta like climb some hill or do some crazy ass shit to get there mm-hmm. but so we're like going around this rock and stuff and like the shrooms are kicking in and then like john's behind me this is before we get to the beach right mm-hmm. and then i like i look around the corner i'm like oh he's like what I'm like, bro so beautiful <laughs> right and then we're kicking in so we go down it was like this long beach all black sands um and we get down there and it was a nude beach but it was cool because it was like it was babies there was you know what i mean old men there's old ladies there's pretty ladies non-pretty ladies so you had to understand because that's the biggest thing about nude beaches that break of sexuality and sex you know what i mean that uh-huh. little thing so even just being a young man it's like you'll see some big teeth but oh man and you yeah. see an old ass and you're like oh right <laughs> yeah. especially on shrooms as well so you go down there and now now i'm there and i'm like right away my spirit's like you're there's no way you're gonna be here on shrooms and not get naked like you have to like yeah. why why like we're you just gonna sit in your clothes like a little bitch like, yeah you know? that sounds <laughs> insane so like my uh john and uh john lyon and uh g were standing here i'm like here and i got butt ass naked and i just like ran to the beach and i just like ran to the water boom and then john told me later he was like yeah i was just talking to g and i just saw your ass running naked right past us and went straight <laughs> to the water and he was like fuck damn it that means i gotta do it too <laughs> but Same. so it was this amazing experience and then you know they had like a drum circle like all around a drum circle but i went off and did some private meditation um in the spot and this like rock on the sun i was sitting there meditating and then the voice came to me and it said it was telling me that i have been here at that time it was 3762 years right in multiple life forms, mm-hmm. in multiple ways. And I was saying that like, that means you could have lived a second as a fly and then a week as a lizard. And then boom, boom, like that is how long you've been on earth mm-hmm. in terms of earth. We had to give it to you in years because that's yeah. how you understand. But that's how many life cycles. And it's like, I think at that time it was like, yeah, you've had 81 life cycles. So basically like 81 different lives on earth as different creatures up until this. I wasn't able to go like much further than that, but I sat there and like had more revelations. So 
now that I'm here and now that I've had these experiences at such a young age and Mm -hmm. I know how I got them, that's kind of where I'm at now is like, all right, it's time to kind of strip myself of everything and kind of go not only back there, but past there, Mm -hmm. right? Like how I was, uh, different thoughts, different energies, like, and I chose, you know, I chose to come to the mainland and to work hard and to hustle and, you know, to dive into the business and become a businessman and understand that I've been doing that for a while. So now before I go and do that for real, for real, again, I'm taking Mm -hmm. a step back and kind of going back to those, those thoughts, you know, Mm -hmm. taking this trip is really going to be the trip to kind of like resettle into myself so that when I come back, I'll, I have even more of a grasp. Yeah. But yeah, so it's been a minute since I've been to explore like that, you know, um, being in in the density of this world, you mm-hmm. know, especially like in, in major cities. That's like, that's the only way I can explain it is mm-hmm. the energy is very dense. There's more people. So there's more thoughts. There's more happy thoughts. There's it's more so negative crowded. thoughts. There's, there's more, no escape. And it's not just like physically crowded. It's like, imagine mm-hmm. all these people thinking and energy just radiating. So we go through the city, we go throughout our day and we're, we're literally just in a biggest vast of energy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? A big yeah, ass yeah. stew of like, mm-hmm. you know, different cultures, different people. You know what I mean? Like happy people, sad people, murderers, non murderers, like all, all these different energies, people crying, people not crying, like mm-hmm. are just imagine like a fog. You know? It's not even just people though, because we have energies, but so does like places and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. places, things, phones. Like um, my dad, when my dad was here, he, because um, I was telling him that, like it's hard to like, get back there and he's like bro there's plenty of places you can go yes it might you have to take yourself out of your home and you have to go find these places but there's plenty of places mm-hmm. that you can go to retap in he's like you ever been to the mead gardens or the loot gardens mm-hmm. he, he went there a couple of times like bro this is florida like that should used to be a plantation he's like i walk on there and i can feel my ancestors i can feel slaves on this place you know wow. what i mean like mm-hmm. you can go there and sit and meditate and talk to your ancestors like you mm-hmm. you have to make that conscious choice to 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 do these things to try to break free from especially knowing a lot of people don't know ignorance mm-hmm. is bliss mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. just you know what i mean or you know what i mean just here and just living and boom boom but the minute certain people hit that little bit of that one life event or that one conversation mm-hmm. that like opens their eyes. Mm-hmm. Once you see the other side, you can't it eat you alive. Can't go you back. Know, you can't go back. You try, you try to be regular, but then like it, it literally will eat you alive. You that's one I mean? thing that I, uh, that's crazy about the, uh, the books that I've read, like in this sector of things, they yeah. all have a warning at the beginning. <laughs> no that says, way. <laughs> hey, you're going to find some stuff out that when you open this door, if you try to go back, there's only insanity for you. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Like you're going to have to evolve. Yeah, or- it's a blessing. Though. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's so it's true. the ugly truth, but it changes you. But I had a similar experience to what you had at the beach too. With the like, you knew that you were there like 370, mm-hmm. however many yeah. years ago. Because mm-hmm. um, you know my mom's Brazilian. Um, I went to. That's deep. no that's deep like those that's deep especially just wait just wait so yeah my mom was born and raised in brazil she she grew up on a farm and she was pretty poor she was the oldest of like 20 10 something siblings but she had a lot my dad my grandpa was a hoe so i don't (laughs) know but anyways um we went to this place called bahia and it's basically um the spot in brazil and it's right now near el salvador this whole place is the biggest afro culture um part in brazil okay. so mm-hmm. we went there to visit for 
a vacation, me, my mom, my cousin, and her girlfriend. And it was no, nobody was there. It was just a chill time. None of my family that I know of <clears throat> is from this place. Yeah. But I did not bring any like weed. I wasn't tripping or anything. It was like a sober vacation for me. And it was on this beautiful beach. Yeah. Li- literally empty for miles. Like it was a paradise beach all to ourselves. And I remember one day, like I was going through something. Like I don't want to share because it's like super deep. And that's okay. I'll maybe <laughs> share with you guys after. But, um, I had this one night where I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up and go watch the sunrise. Like, I just felt a calling to do that. Mm-hmm. So I went by myself and it was super quiet on the beach. Yeah. And I literally had the same thing. Like, I know that I have ancestors that were there that I was experiencing. Like, I had to go back there mm-hmm. for them to like, or for that energy to be like forgiven. Yeah. It was like so crazy for me. I was like crying. Like it was insane. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And that, that shows that like the location and like, you know, you are going back to literally where your DNA is from, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, something's going to be sparked. Something's going to be enacted, you know? And especially if you're calling, especially if you're in a sad state, there's no way you're going to be where your ancestors were. And they're going to let you just stay there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're going to come to lift you up and then give you the, the mental information you know that you need to keep going so and it's about believing it too like the whole coincidence thing it's like the less you see coincidences the less they happen kind of mm-hmm. meaning like you know if you see things as a coincidence you, you fail the test mm-hmm. the universe is trying to show you something and the minute you're like oh man that's boom that's not a coincidence then mm-hmm. they're like okay he got it they're gonna show you this. more up, yeah. until you get to a spot to where I'm sure you guys meet those people all the time and these people get made fun of, but these are very special people. Those people who think everything's a coincidence or everything's connected. Mm-hmm. Like those people are like, yo, my God, this water bottle fell over at 12.02 PM. Boom, boom. And we just look at them like they're fucking crazy. Imagine the thing that's going on in their mind. Ma- imagine, just imagine. Yo, that it's connection. the butterfly effect. It's literally yes. like how the deeper you can go and the more you can just let go of like, more you can understand nothing's a coincidence and everything mm-hmm. happens specifically mm-hmm. everything that you see everything that you hear for you happens specifically and the more you can look into that the more the universe will open these doors of mm-hmm. like you know it might be this 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 tiny to someone else but to you it's like oh my yeah. god like for example i went <laughs> um i asked for my spirit animal i was like i want my spirit animal because i mm-hmm. started fighting you know and i mm-hmm. like maybe like a year into fighting i was like i want my i want to know so I sat maybe like a week, some time went by, boom, boom. Um, and then I forgot how it came to me. Um, I forgot how it came to me. Maybe it was in a dream or something, but it turns out dragonflies, right? Wow. Ooh. Dragonflies. I have a crazy story about right? that too. And then, and then I go back <laughs> and I remember when I was a kid, uh, we had a pool and I used to do this thing when I was a kid, I would get in the pool and go save all the bugs. Right. Like, boom, 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 you know, and like the bugs would be and I would save them and like get them in the sun and give them CPR and then let them go like you lived all right mm-hmm. and then anytime like the super bug that I would find would be dragonflies mm-hmm. and anytime I saved a dragonfly's life I was like a bonus yeah <laughs> right you know so then I'm like yo it makes sense I go to the beach a dragonfly comes lands on my toe for like like right after I have I this I saw right? that picture you saw that picture yes. dude sat sat on me for like literally seven minutes I remember before a few years ago before I even asked I was um I was at Wakaira Springs and it was on my birthday and I'm with two of my best friends in life, Luke and Antonio. And um, Luke and I are tripping 
Antonio's not. Antonio's very realistic. I love how you have very, a trip sitter every time. Right? Oh, yeah. You always, always have a trip you sitter. You always have a trip sitter, for sure. Because if all three of y'all freaking out and someone goes down, yep. like, you need that one person just to be like, yo, everything's good or everything's not good. We got to go. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but Antonio is super like, you know, at that point in his life, he didn't really believe, you know, he was like, oh, it's all coincidences. Very just like, you know, boom. Mm-hmm. So I was there and I saw this dragonfly. And I held on my finger and I was like, and I just like, I just like connected with it. You guys made it. eye contact. And it, it just went, it went off and literally the dragonfly flying away and it just stops and it hovers and it turns around and it comes and it lands on my finger. I swear to God for like Dang. a minute, long enough to me and be like, Luke, Luke, look, the dragonfly looks like, oh boy. And then, you know, we're shrooming. So maybe I'm tripping. Antonio, he's like, oh. A dragonfly landed on your finger. <laughs> yeah. Just, just some, there, some right? confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, bro. So I go back and I, I I see all these things. But I asked for I asked for my spirit animal to help me fight. I think the following time that I go train after I find it out, I go to the beach. It lands on my toe. That Monday, I go to the gym um, with my trainer, and it's a big gym. And we always have this one specific spot that I go to that I work out mm-hmm. with my little pad there to do all my stuff. So I go in, pop, pop. We do play, pop, pop, put my stuff go to that spot there is a dead dragonfly perfectly preserved in the middle of my mat like just and reserved, doesn't, yeah, reserved it, for yeah, you. yeah right it didn't it didn't matter that it was dead it wasn't like oh it was just like oh so i picked it up and i have this like little dinosaur dragonfly and i'm like yo like two days ago i'm like this is it and so my co- i'm like coach bro the dragonfly and i did this and it was i did my spirit animal and he's like Okay, you ready to work out? I'm like, <laughs> you don't see, but I I see. You know yeah. what I mean? And to him, it was just like, okay, you found a dead dragonfly and everything. Let's let's get to working out. But for me, in that workout, I was immaculate, and it just kept me going. Mm-hmm. And now I uh, I put it in what is that? Uh, silicone or something? I have it mm-hmm. like you know. Oh, that's that's nice. crazy. Yeah. I feel like you do give me that type of energy, that dragonfly mm-hmm. energy. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I love them. They're cool because I, I like them because too. After I did more research, and they're like, all right, if you want to, you know assess this to your mind as as your fighting power i'm like all right let's let's look into these things they actually are very special creatures they're the only creature that can go left right up down diagonal hummingbirds can do that too they can fly inverted mm. upside down only dragonflies dragonflies the only ones that can not only that they actually are only dragonflies for about a year but they live underwater as nymphs for six years. What? Wow. They're born underwater as these little underwater killers. Like they're little baby, like dragon flies underwater, no wings, but they're these just straight killers. Like they eat little fish, like they'll just stand there. Bah, bah, bah. What do they look like? Like tadpoles or something? No, they look like um maybe imagine like a like a dragon or like a grasshopper underneath and they got these claws like a praying mantis like an underwater mm. praying mantis kind of and they just kill shit for six years and just like straight monsters underwater so the crazy thing is is that there's like a mark on i forget where it is on my nose yeah but uh i have a really crazy connection with dragonflies because every time that i meditate when i get out of the meditation there's almost always an array of them around me. But there was this one specific time where, um, and I assume that's why you, because I didn't know that about how they start in the water, Mm -hmm. but I assume that's why they only really bite when they're smaller because the bigger ones don't really 
bite. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I was meditating and I, you know how you said that when you're trying to do the astral projection thing, yeah. you got to get away from the itching and stuff like that. So any sensations, I was like, okay, they're not real. Yeah. I don't care about them. So I felt this sensation like of something like almost on my nose yeah. and I was like, no, 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 it's nothing. I'm here. I'm good. Um, and then that was a real sensation, my friend. Yes. And then it got intense like painful yeah. for a second. And I was like, okay, hold on, hold on. This is too much. I open my eyes and there's a little baby dragonfly that has bit my nose. What? And he didn't leave. That's he just crazy. sat there and I was like. You're like eye to eye with the dragonfly. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I was so deep that I, I wasn't moving my body or anything. So it was just insane. But that's crazy that that's you, nuts. you that's connecting nuts. that yeah. is like wild. Like. Yeah. So they're, they're straight killers underwater. And then after about, Anywhere between four and six years, they grow their wings, mm. come out the water. And hey, that's like you guys. Dragonfly. So. You just got that six years of practice and mm -hmm. and aggression, and then you just no that fly that's high. the idea with fighting too. Is like right now I'm in I'm in nymph stage. I'm an amateur fighter, and I just got to go up and just make it ugly and just knock cats out and just eat them up. Yeah, and then and not even be fancy because like I love fancy moves. I love and not to say I can't do that, but I feel like after a while at once I turn pro, then I'll become the true dragonfly. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like this is my amateur bout is me being a nymph and just learning the game and just taking shots and, you know, going through what it is to be a fighter. But once I make it to that next level, then it's like, all right, time to get flashy, time to like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like time to really, <sighs> I mean, I put, I put it like this. I started it when I was 27. I really started training to fight. Um, I put a 10 year limit, 37, maybe 38. I won't go past 38 fighting wise. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens in that time, you know, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm definitely making it pro, but what I have, whatever happens in that time happens. Mm -hmm. I would love to go to the UFC. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. That would be like, that's the ultimate goal. It's mm -hmm. scary as shit. But at the same time, like that is cause I'm an entertainer, bro. Let me make it to the UFC. I'm walking out, rapping my own songs. Like I'm gonna be freaking. I'm gonna be talking shit in the ring, press conferences. I'm gonna be talking shit. Like I cannot wait for the entertainment side of that. Mm -hmm. The other side is you got to win your fights. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, to keep entertaining, gotta right? back it up. <laughs> you know, but I will milk the shit out of that opportunity. Like 100. Mm -hmm. All I got to do is win fights, and then from there I can talk as much shit as I want and just like. Connor did it right. I don't, I don't care if you like him or not. Connor McGregor okay. did that shit right. You know, marketing so, genius. Marketing genius. So, and I think that's a big part of uh, the fight world too is understanding it's entertainment. Just like, and that's how I see it now. It's like another form. It's another art form. You know, martial Yo, arts. Fighting is so like. There's so much that goes into it because it is entertainment. Like, there's crazy stuff that like happens. Oh yeah, in that world. The scenes, mm -hmm. But at everything. the same time, like, I feel like martial arts is like meditative. How do you say meditative? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like. Mm -hmm. Man, like, I don't know where I would be without that if I mm -hmm. was growing up, like, not yeah. doing anything. And that's, I think that's the biggest reason why I really dove into this world or of fighting was because as much as I love the music, um, you know, I've always been an athlete, you know, like in high school, I was like a five, six sport athlete. Like I was planning to go to the NFL. That was my goal. Went to the University of Hawaii um, as a walk-on. And politics, you know, the higher up you get in these systems, the more money that's around, the more politics happen. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that I wanted to challenge myself with something, the hardest thing that I could. 
And it was like, and I wanted to become a pro athlete. I was like, I couldn't make it to the NFL at 27. Can't really make it to the NBA, excuse me, at 27. But some of the top fighters in the world are champion at 35, 36, 37 mm-hmm. years old. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right. And I'm, I was a fighter as a kid too. So I was like, all right, let's dive into this. And it's literally been the most mentally, physically, spiritually challenging and growth thing. But now it's like a part of me. Now I can't mm-hmm. live without it. Like I is seven can. like a prominent number in your life? I don't know why. I don't not seven. I, I feel like you. There's been a lot of sevens recently, like men, that you've been mentioning. Really? Just something that I've been feeling. Like uh, well, you I'm said, a- like seven minutes, and then um, when you were talking about the dragonfly, and then uh-huh. seven was in your uh, your past lives number. And then you just said seven for something else. All right. Well, I'm going to keep it. See? <laughs> See? Nothing's a coincidence. Yeah, this is keep, what I like. Keep, You're paying keep, attention. Keep exactly. Updated. Exactly. Keeping me on your toes. <laughs> on my toes right there. I'm not even paying attention. But yeah, yeah. so that's kind of like, um, that's like, that's where I am fight-wise, musically, acting and, and modeling-wise. Um, I really just, I really just jumped back into that world and kind of going full force in that world right now as a form not fully as a form of art um maybe more acting i like the art but like i stopped modeling for a while like honestly i would say a few years ago i was probably at least when it comes to high fashion Hmm. top three runway models here in orlando like i was doing shows on shows on shows on shows on shows and then orlando's a different market you know when it comes to high fashion they don't really pay people like they got so many people who just want to be in the industry that i'll do it for photos and boom boom so i was like all right Mm. i'm not doing this just for that like i y'all gotta start paying me to come to your show because like if y'all want me (laughs) like i'm i i am who i am y'all know i'm a great model y'all know i'm professional and i do what i do as for the modeling like i was definitely one of the top models in orlando like unarguably um but then it was just like no, then I went to New York Fashion Week. That's what did it. I was like, all right, let me make the jump to New York Fashion Week. Boom, boom. Went up there, went on a few auditions, um, got a couple of shows. But what I realized was as a model, like, man, modeling's not where it's at fully. Hmm. Why, why, do you, why do you say that? At least for me as a creator, right? As an artist, like, I like bringing stuff from my soul and bringing it out to the world. Mm-hmm. Modeling's like, hey, bro, walk from here to there and walk back. It's the opposite. Right? You yeah. know what I mean? Nothing about look, your and soul. Then, and, then, and then it's crazy, too, because as a model, the people love you. Like, oh, my God, you're a model. Oh, you're on the runway. Like, you know, like, girls and go, you know, after the show, like, everybody loves you, right? Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, models are indispensable. Like, runway shows are not about the models at all. They're about the clothes, the designers, and... um the the showrunner like mm-hmm. the producer of the show like behind the scenes when you're back there mm-hmm. if you don't want to do something if you have an attitude like there's and that's what i realized in new york too like i feel like i'm a pretty unique looking person you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like i don't really run into people who look very similar to me all the way mm-hmm. all the time but when i went up to these auditions like there's another like six niggas that look just like me i'm <laughs> like they're like you're not unique there's another five dudes down the street that we can come do and walk in these clothes so it's mm. like you're behind the scenes as a model you're just like it's like you're your emotion you know you're I mean? moving like, mannequin exactly <laughs> you don't give a yeah. fuck about you you're piss box but then it feels good to be out there and then the people love you and you get to be a model and then you know if you're getting paid then it's worth it this and that but it just wasn't feeling my soul at the time mm. um acting i've always respected acting has always been something that i wanted to do 
as I got older, because my dad's a filmmaker, he's an actor, he's been in the game 25 years. I've been on sets, I've seen it all. I know how deep that world is and I mm-hmm. know my brain. Like, I know, and that's why I kind of see like what, like a lot of these musicians who become actors, how they kind of have to step away from music because to really become a good actor, you have to go there. You mm-hmm. have to like dive into that world. And I knew I haven't been ready to fully dive there. But now mm-hmm. that... um I'm back into my creative bag, back into making music, back into doing these things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at, I see three things, right? We have our, when people ask you like, uh, oh, what's your job? Mm-hmm. They go, what do you do? What's your job? They're not asking you. They're asking you three things. They're asking you, how do you make money? Mm-hmm. What's your passion? Right? Well, really they're asking you, how do you make money? But to me, there's three things that's really going on. You have, how do you make money? What is your passion? What are your hobbies? Right now, sometimes we're lucky enough that our passion is a thing that we make money from. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that's the goal for a lot of creators and a lot of people is like, oh, I want to make money off my music. I want to make money. I want to make a living off of my passion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people make money really easily and it just fuels their passion. They don't even want to get rid of this job because it's like this is how I make my money. And I still get to do my passion. I don't mind making my money this way. It doesn't define me. I can make a lot of money and I still have enough time to do my passion. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then passion to me is something that you would do that you have to do for Mm -hmm. like that. You just have to. That is in Mm -hmm. your soul. That's whether it's artistry, whether it's singing, rapping, whether it's like, you know, what I mean, just something that your soul tells you you have to get out to the world. Mm -hmm. That is almost like your your responsibility to the universe. Right. And then when people put those away, those passions away and just focus on the monetary. That's when they, they get eaten alive and they feel dead and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. then the third thing is, so your passions is what you would do no matter what. We're very lucky if our passion could be the thing that makes us money. And the third thing to me are just our hobbies are those things that we'll do. We're not trying to be the bad at the best at like, I love paintballing. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm-hmm. my, that's one of my, so lit. That's one of my yeah. hobbies. I'm never going to be a professional paintballer. I'm not trying to, I don't care to, but it's a hobby. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I think for me right now, I'm looking at modeling as not a passion or a hobby, but as mm-hmm. my job, mm-hmm. which I'm good at. I don't mind if I can, you know, if I can make a three thousand dollar check to drive to Miami mm-hmm. and for a two day photo shoot, I'm going to do it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. why not? Just because I don't want to be a model. No, like I'm going to do it. And that's what I'm going to use to make my money. It's going to fuel my passion, which is the music and the creativity. And then I got my hobbies on the side. Mm-hmm. So that's that's, uh, work. that's kind of where it's at with the modeling. And I might as well do something that I I know I can get some money from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Flipping burgers. Fuck that. <laughs> um, I mean, if you flip I burgers, feel if you like it, do it. My brother's a cook. I always say that, bro. I, I'll be talking to my brother, and he's like a, a restaurant owner and like a cook and a chef. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, yeah, man. Man, I love my life, man. It's better than flipping burgers. And I'm like, oh. I'm, I know you like flipping burgers. But you know what I mean. Like, so if you like flipping burgers, flip away. You know. Yeah, but I, that goes with the thing that you were saying with the passion thing. Like, if that's part of your passion, like mm-hmm. you really love making good food for good people, like that's it. Hey, that's like, it. Yeah, that's great. All right, so to wrap up, let's ask yeah. him some quick questions. What's quick. up? Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Let's okay, go. Okay. Quick question. So I got some of mine, but I also want you to incorporate some. Okay. Yours. I'll okay. keep them short too. So we can get through it. Okay. 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 First one. Um, if there was one person you could have dinner with, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, man. One person I could have dinner with, dead or alive, who would it be? 
Um, maybe, you know, probably one of my greatest ancestors. Like if there's like an Egyptian pharaoh that was my ancestor, mm-hmm. that nigga. Kind of <laughs> talk to him. <laughs> All right. Um, if you had to eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, man, one thing for the rest of my life. Oh, that's that is that is good. That's a good question. I would probably say sushi. Just Ooh. because I know it's gonna there's so many different what types. Role, what role? No, no, sushi is <laughs> like right. right, I'll give you that one. Godzilla um, role. I like the Godzilla. Oh yeah. Godzilla. Um, I got one more question, then you could do yours. I just mm-hmm. noticed all of my questions are about one thing. One one one, that's my angel number. That's oh, crazy. We Anyways, were just talking about that. Right. Yep. Um, if you could make one rule for the world that everyone had to follow, what would it be? Mm. One rule for the world that everyone had to follow. It's a good one, right? That is. <laughs> you would have to love yourself before you can try to love anyone else. Beautiful rule. Amazing. I think people rule. try to love other people and they don't know how to love themselves. Mm-hmm. And if we exactly. all could love ourselves, loving other people would be a lot easier. Mm. That's a lesson. Yes. That's a good lesson. For real. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so mine is, I don't have them written down, so I'm going to just spitball them. Um, but would you do ayahuasca? And if so, where? Well, it's funny you say that. It was, I was doing a lot of research. Um, yes. One. Yes, 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 I will. Um, two. I mean, naturally, you want to, you know, obviously, you want to go back to the, the tradition and, like, mm-hmm. go to, like, South America and all Mm -hmm. that. That would be nice. However, I think the experience can, it's about the experience. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, It's funny because there's only two uh, sanctioned ayahuasca churches in America that are Mm -hmm. like, that are approved by the government. Mm -hmm. One of them is in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. I I like used to do a lot of research on ayahuasca just like for fun when I was in high school because I was like, this is crazy. This is interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, there is a lot of abuse that's been coming out. So be careful oh, where yeah. you go because oh, yes. if you're not there, people will like have taken advantage of them. Oh, yeah. So no. go. Yeah. Go somewhere so real. It's more about like it would, for me, it would be the right person. Like they, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like really understand the right person and and uh, having a um, uh, a guide, you know, even mm-hmm. even for like when I did um, even when I did like acid my first time and when i did dmt my first time i had like a guy like the person there actually made the acid made the dmt we sat like a shaman yeah basically my shaman and he's a really good friend of mine now and he wasn't that much older he's probably like you know five or six years older but he was like in hawaii deep even deeper on that spiritual tip than me because he was doing it longer so you know he got to the point where he was making his own acid making his own dmt from tree bark so Mm. we sat and talked for like four or five hours and then you know i did some we did dmt and then after that he handed me seven little oreos and he said all right and it took seven times of acid wow we need to have you on for another episode yes 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 that sounds yeah my first time ever seven times of acid my first time that Crazy. I would not recommend. Yeah, yeah, that that, that sounds like a big <laughs> the, jump from one is enough. yeah no no yeah but be careful once you uh it was it was cool because I had the shaman. You know what I mean? Like I had someone there who at least I truly felt like I could trust who um God your energy. Yeah, yeah, to help me. And you know what I mean? Like at that point, um, I will say this. I'm sure ayahuasca and DMT, like like here, 
I don't care how much shrooms or acid you do, still here. Yeah. Yeah. Still, you're still on Earth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, no matter how much I've ever done, like, things might shift, but you're still on Earth. It's EMT not. You're not Iowa, transcending you're anywhere. Like, so you're not here. You yeah. Know, you're somewhere else. So. Gone. All um, right. Next question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last question. Um, if you had one place in the world that you feel like would be the best place for you to write an album, mm. where would that place be? I would say <clears throat> maybe I would say two things. One, oh man. All right. Three. <laughs> one big island, Hawaii. Um, mm-hmm. Hilo, Hilo, Hawaii specifically. That's my favorite place um, in all the Hawaiian islands because it's actually really rainy over there. It's super rainy, super spiritual, and it's some of the newest land on the earth. Um, to Jamaica, like I've never been. I, I have to go and just boom. And then three, um, I heard of the Rolling. I think it was the Rolling Stones, but they would. They did this album one time where they were on a yacht. And correct me if I'm wrong, internet, but they were on like a yacht or something and they travel on their yacht. So they would like go to like South America, pop out, do some shit, go on their yacht, record, and they like traveled mm. the world and recorded that the album amazing. on their yacht. No, no, there's people that do that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that. that well, you're about to go do that. Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. So, yes. <laughs> just so the world. I was, well, I guess, I, let's say my trailer that I'm going to get in a few months. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be the best place to write an album. Nice. <laughs> what are you going to name your trailer? Oh, I have to see her first. Uh, I gotta see her. I gotta see her, man. I can't wait though, cause it's scary though. It's it's really scary, cause I was uh I was at home, um, and there I had no roommates around or anything for a while, and I hadn't been around like being at the studio for so long, especially living there. There was always someone, always someone there, always something going on. So I was alone for the first time in a while, like alone, alone for the first time in a minute. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm you. I used to used to be in alone, but now since the studio i'm always around people i was like whoa this is this is weird this is different i forgot about this and then i realized well what do you think's gonna happen when you're on the road by yourself for three mm-hmm. months just like this is what you're calling for so get ready buddy yeah you're gonna yeah. come back a different person exactly yeah. i think so too i true think it's adventure. gonna be uh scary and challenging at times for sure you know what i mean but at the same time once i make it back like another thing under the belt yep yeah. yes sir hey well, thank you so much for coming. I really thank appreciate you, you. Appreciate the conversation. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys, we gotta have you back on. Yeah, like no, there's too. so much more we need to talk Drink about. Champs episode two. Yeah. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> um I also shout out to Kai because he is also gonna be a new host that you guys will be seeing. Oh yes. right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for watching. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Mm-hmm. To give them plug plug yourself out, tell them your oh, Instagram yes, or oh, Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Find you. Well, it's your boy Trayvon Love, aka The Revolution. Um, you can find me everywhere on Google, Spotify. Um, find me anywhere that you want. Trayvon Love, T R E Y V O N L O V E. Um, yeah, if you type in that name on Google, all my stuff will come out. Uh, but yeah, got music videos, got everything. Just stay on the lookout and stay tuned to Supreme Soul Kids, man. She's fired. Yes, fire. go go watch uh, Florida Noise. Yeah, Florida <laughs> Noise. You know, and like I said, I'm working on four projects right now, and in the meantime, I have a few singles that are going to slowly be releasing uh, on the lead up. So, and we're ready. You. Yeah, we're ready. Yes. ready? All right, we're ready for the revolution. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so thank much. You. Appreciate it. All right. Peace.